You are listening to the Black Sitcom History Podcast with Shannon and Summer, where we explore issues from episodes of the most popular and polarizing black television sitcoms from the 1970s and beyond. Hey everyone, welcome back to Black Sitcom History Podcast. I am Summer. What's going on everyone? I'm Shannon. Welcome back to episode five. This episode will be on season one, episode five of the Jeffersons. The title is um, Mr. Piano Man. This one aired February 15th, 1955. Summer's going to give us a brief um, summary of what this episode is about. 75, babe. Um, what did I say? 55. What? What? <laughs> Okay. You did that last last show. You were I like know, 2075. And, okay. and now you're going back. Okay, you guys. So it was February 15th, 1975. Yes. All right. There it is. <laughs> so go ahead and tell us a little something about this episode. Summer. So like you said, Shannon, the, t- the name of this episode is called Mr. Piano Man. And in this episode, George Jefferson gets the idea that he wants to purchase a piano because he hears that um, Mr. Wittendale, who's a banker uh, that lives on the top floor of the apartment, is into music and piano or something like that. So he thinks he's going to be even more impressive to Mr. Wittendale by purchasing a piano he encourages um, Louise to contact the music store and purchase the most expensive piano or the biggest piano or something like that that they have in the store. Well, I think he meant, was saying the most expensive right. um, piano they have in the store. And, of course, it's ridiculous because no one in the household plays the piano. He just wants to have it as a sign of a uh, just a sign of his his affluence you know he sees uh in a magazine a picture of Liberace um with his piano and he's like if Liberace has a piano we need a piano so that's what they they do in in the midst of all of that um the tenants in their apartment building are they have some complaints to bring to the attention of their landlord and so their landlord um, but George doesn't want to have anything to do with this, this, uh, protest or whatever it is there, the tenants are trying to do. He doesn't want to make waves. They're new to the building and he's above it all. Um, the Willis's, uh, they are trying to get them to, uh, be involved in this protest because there's several issues going on, but he doesn't want to be involved. Ultimately, he finds out that Mr. Wittendale is going to be receiving this um, memo um, or this, uh, what, what do you call it, babe? It's, it's, it's like some, some sort of document trying to get people's... Um, uh, it, it wasn't a, a list to sign. It was just a... Um, invitation. An invitation. Yeah, yeah. So it's more like an invitation to meet, to get together and come together and talk about um, the issues in the, the apartment and how they're going to protest and, and work um, to get this uh, in front of the 
building's landlord um, to get some changes done. So once George thinks that Mr. Wittendale is on board with this or could be potentially on board, he tries to get invite him to come. He wants to host the party or the, the, the get-together at their apartment to further impress Mr. Wittendale. Right. So, yeah, like Summer said, um, George saw this grand piano in a magazine. Mm-hmm. And um, he told Louise, like, yes, I want the biggest, most expensive grand piano that money can buy. Um, <laughs> so she does this. And uh, <laughs> the piano takes up <laughs> the whole living room. The whole living room. So they had to move furniture around. So basically, it was a living room with a grand piano and standing room only. So what happens is, um, this. you know, I had a question about, you know, how George does not want to, to protest anything that's going on in the apartment building or within the apartment building. And I thought about all the protesting that's been going on in the past several months as far as police brutality and things of that nature. Um, and, you know, I, I'm the one, I am the one that's all for protest, but I'm not the one to be out there protesting, mm-hmm. you know. And I think if it was something that George is behind, he he would be for it, but still would not want to protest. I think, like you said, he, he doesn't really want to make waves out of ripples, you know? He doesn't want to make a big splash and be, um, have the focus be on him as far as... And when it comes to something like that. Yeah, when it comes yeah. to protesting, right. uh, being against something, mm-hmm. I just felt like he didn't want to have anything to do with it, with it, even if it does benefit him. Like, he lives in the apartment building, the apartment building have some issues that need to be addressed, but yet he does not want to participate in in the protest. Right. Um, n- number one, I think maybe because um, him being one of the only, well, I, I don't want to say only, but there were a few black people that lived in the apartment building. Maybe he didn't want anyone to feel as if like, yeah, you know, um, black people always have something to say or they're always trying to protest against something. Right, or be seen as militant because mm. one, when they were hosting the event at their apartment, one of the tenants did say, oh, I'm so glad that you're um, taking the lead on this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, so you colored folks sure can teach us a lot. Right. And he's like, oh, really? Like, about how to be militant. How to be militant. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure George, um, at this point and stage in his life, doesn't want to be associated with being a militant no, not at all. He wants to be associated with being being rich and wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, th- that was one thing that I thought about, you know, how, like, I'm, I'm not a big... There's a lot of things that I disagree with in this world, mm-hmm. but I'm just not to, the one to take charge and be the protester and protest. Why do you think that is? think feel that 
I, I hate to say it. I just I don't feel I'm I would be a a great leader to lead people to protest or something. Mm-hmm. Number one, right? And then number two is you see these people protesting, protesting, and nothing comes out of it. So mm-hmm. you're like, was that a waste of time mm-hmm. <laughs> that I sat there and protested? For a day or for weeks, because people are still protesting here in, in America, and um, they, so they say they are making changes throughout the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it the police department, politics. I call it all of that the industry <laughs> because that's all it is: is one big industry. So they they have all these great and grand ideas, but until we actually see them take a go in effect or actually change it's like why do we protest yeah and here in america our protesting compared to other countries is totally different i see protests in china japan it seems like their protesting is more organized it's not about and you very seldom see the, the people that are there to protest to gain something out of it. As far as like here we had some, you know, looting going on, mm. things of that matter of that matter. But it seems like in other countries you have little kids, young kids to grown elderly people protesting, ready to die for whatever it, it may be. Yeah, I don't think that most people here in America are willing to die for a whole lot of things like that. But I, I get what you're saying, and I think that, um, uh, yes, I understand what you're saying. It, it's it's taken more seriously, and I think I'm not. It's not to say that I don't think that um, protests that happen in America aren't serious and aren't organized. But you can have a very well organized. Um, protest and then you have opportunists who want to come in mm-hmm. and now there's rioting now there's you know we want to smear the name of black lives matter or whatever whatever group that's organizing a protest um that may be peacefully assembling um to protest but we you just have that group of people in America who either don't take it seriously, are opportunistic, or really are actively trying to uh, diminish what's the the purpose of the protesting in the first in the first place. And um, you know, because on the same day that there was a protest that was related to hashtag Black Black Lives Matter, and there was also rioting, the two become associated with one another. Exactly. And you could have many different groups of people operating under um, different intentions at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it gives, you know, the folks who are peaceful a a bad look. Bad look. Like you said, they associate... Everyone that's out that day doing the protesting, they associate everyone with the protesters, regardless if it's the people that's doing the right thing mm-hmm. or the people that's 
doing the wrong thing. Sure. Um, and then you have the people that just want to be there. To be a part of history or for what reason? Yeah. Be, be a part of history or to tweet that they're there. <laughs> show people that they're there. That's all. Just, just to be there. Just to be there. Yeah. That's it. But more so, it, you know, this, it, this was a historical event that, that went on once again. Um, during the, I, but see, that's the thing I would, I would not call them necessarily riots. They were most, mostly just protests slash looters. Okay. Because, uh, there was not a lot of, um, civilian and police officers interaction. But there was some. There was some, but yeah, there was some. I, I, but but like you said, organ. It seems like the protesters were organized and the looters were organized. <laughs> so there. That's why I'm not calling it a big riot. Okay. You know. Um. Okay, you can say riot. You know, they had the riot in the '60s, mm-hmm. right? There was really no protesting during though. I'm talking about the Watts riot in mm-hmm. the '60s. There was really no protesting going on in those few days. It was just all-out rioting, looting, burning of property, um, things of that nature. Now, with the the protesting of today, that's what it started off as, protesting. And it ended up becoming more than that. And more than that was the looting, um, setting things on fire. That That's the riot aspect of it. So, to compare the two, the 60s riot compared to a 2020 protest, there are mm-hmm. two different things. The 60s riot was actually a riot. It did not start off as a protest, you know. It was straight on, full-blown rioting going on. And in t- today in society, it was protesting. And then the rotten apples came out and started Looting, they took advantage of the whole thing and started to loot. Well, yeah. You know, I was looking up something regarding the Watts, the Watts riots too. Um, I mean, there was an in- incident or that sparked it, but I, I, I do get the difference of what you're saying All in right. terms of the. Yeah. In, was, the, in this case too, in 2020, there were different instances that happened, mm-hmm. and then there was the organization of of the protest so right yeah, I, yeah, I definitely know that mm-hmm. the riot of the 60s it was something that started it all it was a police officer that pulled over a gentleman mm-hmm. um in los angeles um and did he he I believe he killed the guy the officer killed the guy or they killed the officer police officer mm. Uh, let's see the so what started it in was an incident when uh, a motorist was pulled over and arrested for suspicion of driving while intoxicated and I believe they got into an altercation and the crowd formed and uh, started to Question why the police officer had him in handcuffs mm-hmm, or seemed, mm-hmm. but it, it's it just, it, yes, it, it, it spiraled out of control. Yeah, it spiraled from there. out of control, and, and 
the sixties riot started. Yeah. So we're gonna move on to the, the to the rest of this episode. And um so now we're having the protest at the Jefferson's apartment. Um, the grand piano's there, all the neighbors are there, <laughs> um, having drinks, um, and we have our first appearance of, of Florence, who becomes the Jefferson's, um, maid, I don't know if she wants to be called a maid in 2020, but she was a, a maid then. <laughs> what would she be called in 2020? Uh, housekeeper? housekeeper? Um, yeah, housekeeper, oh. live-in housekeeper. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if people still call their housekeepers maids, or it might mm. be called a, a house technician or something like that. You know how I don't they even come know. up with famous na- famous names, better names, better for, names for, yeah. for for positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we have our first appearance of, of Florence, and uh, so she's answering answering the doorbell every time the doorbell rings, <laughs> and she's having everyone announce who they are. Mm-hmm. And once they announce who they are, she says it aloud, like very loud, very loud, so everyone knows. <laughs> um, I don't know if she's trying to be a, more of a yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir type maid in this episode because it seems like, and she was even dressed weird. She was dressed like a maid. Oh. Weird. She was, yeah, she was dressed like a maid. But I, okay, so, okay. <laughs> she had the whole uniform, a maid uniform. Right. And I don't know if that's because on. it was the protest and they had house guests over or not. But as we move on to more episodes, I would pay attention to if she wears a maid outfit or not. I can't recall from when I was younger watching the show if she wore a maid's outfit or not. But we, mm-hmm. that will be to be determined. Mm-hmm. So, um, and every time now George comes home, mm-hmm. and he sees his large piano, <laughs> extra large piano for their apartment living room, and he's on Louise's head. Ridiculous! He's like, "How could you buy this big like, grand I piano? You, I did what you asked and me it, to do. It doesn't even fit. Well, it fits, but it's, there's no room for anything else. Right. In this apartment. Right. And she she tells him, well. I, I did what you asked me to do. <laughs> you know, be careful for what you ask. Right. So, um, now G- George is home, and every time the doorbell rings, he he wants to answer the door because he wants to greet Mr. Whittendale. Mm-hmm. So, doorbell rings. George answers it, and he believes it's Mr. Whittendale. Mm-hmm. But it turns out to be a representative of Mr. Whittendale. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back from the break, we're going to tell you why Mr. Whittendale was un- unable to make the protest. All right. So sit tight and we'll return and we'll continue. Okay, everyone. We're back and we're going to pick up from where we left off. Um, I was telling you about how Mr. Whittendale sent his representative to the protest. Um, the reason is, turns out Mr. Whittendale owns the apartment building. Mm-hmm. So it would be an interest of conflict. Conflict of interest. Yeah, that one. Conflict, conflict of interest if he showed up to the protest. 
So George is somewhat disappointed about this. He did not know that Mr. Wendell was the owner of, of the apartment building number one. Mm-hmm. So he's a little disappointed because he's unable to actually meet Mr. Wendell or rub elbows with Mr. Wendell. And um, he, he, he was initially wanting to make an impression on Mr. Wendell by uh, adding more concerns to the protest about what was going on in the apartment building. Meaning he would think that if Mr. Wendell saw that he was taking the initiative of the protest, Mr. Wendell would think a little bit more highly of him. Yeah, he was saying, but he, he made up things too. He was saying that there were roaches <laughs> and paint peeling off of things and he just made up stuff. So obviously, you know, the impression that he was, in tra- he made an impression all right. <laughs> yeah, the wrong impression. The wrong one. So um, I'll be interested in saying, I mean, he's been talking about Mr. Wendell for a while. So hopefully we won't be hearing any more about Mr. Wendell because he'll already know that he's on uh, Mr. Wendell's uh, bad list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know something else that shocked me all this time I thought that the Jeffersons owned yeah. the apartment but it me turned too. out they were leasing it for three years yeah cause I remember you were telling me um, before you were like why do they call it an apartment I thought they right. had like a condo or something I'm like oh well they call apartments they call them all apartments in New York because they're, they just call them apartments. I never yeah. heard them refer to it as a condo, and you can still own an apartment. Yeah. But, yeah, I was surprised by that, too. Right. So, it was. if you guys didn't know, the Jeffersons didn't own their apartment. Yeah. <laughs> In season one, anyway. So, as the party progresses, um, the piano delivery guy comes back. Mm-hmm. And he comes back because they forgot to de- deliver the bench right. or the piano. So when he shows up, George treats him as if he's just a regular old piano delivery guy, like just a delivery guy, nobody. uh, This elitism showing his face again. Right. Yeah. Just just downing (laughs) him like, oh, you piano player, mover, delivery guy. How could you Mm -hmm. forget to deliver the bench for the piano? We need a place to sit. Right. Or whatever. And the the delivery guy's like, okay, whatever. Well here here's the bench and uh let me make sure that the piano is tuned for you. So he goes ahead and plays a couple of chords on the on the piano and it turns out Mr. Wittendale's representative recognized the piano slash player slash delivery guy as a Pretty much a professional pianist. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Mr. Wittendale's representative was like, wow, you know, you're such a second. He's like, yeah, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that is I. Now George, is, George changed his, his, his attitude towards the piano player. Right. Slash delivery guy. Now he's treating him as if he's a well-known musician and that he knows who he is. <laughs> Or would not. And Mr. Wittendale's representative wants to invite the piano player to perform at a dinner mm-hmm. for Mr. Wittendale. Yeah. And now, George is, George is, ex- is excited about this. So he, 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 he now knows that Mr. Wittendale is a fan 
of this particular piano player. Mm-hmm. And so Jordan's like, yeah, th- this is this is my guy. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is where I buy my pianos from all the time. This is the guy who I have delivered the piano. So he's trying to make a mutual friendship through the pianoist to get to Mr. Whittendale so he can meet Mr. Whittendale since the protest backfired on him. Right. So with that said, I I wanted to bring something up. How you should never judge a book by its cover. Meaning like you never know who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. The stranger you're talking to can be just about anybody. You you don't know this. Um, example, when I was in my mid-20s, I was at my friend's house, and it was this guy that would walk up and down the street swinging a baseball bat. And we knew he was, like, on something. like, And he would do this all the time. You know, um, we didn't make fun of him or anything, but we were like, yeah, this, this dude's crazy. He walks up and down the street with a baseball bat, swinging it. Um, playing catch with himself or whatever. And several months later, my my dad happened to be there. Mm-hmm. And the same person with the baseball bat was swinging his, you know, doing his thing, playing catch by himself. And my dad recognized him. Because mm-hmm. my dad was a big baseball fan and a great baseball player. So he knew every baseball player there was, especially a black baseball player. And... He was like, yeah, that's either his first name was Miles or his last name was Miles. I forget what it was. And he played for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And him and my dad talked, you know, or whatever. And the guy was very happy that someone recognized who he was instead of recognize the fact that he he's just a crazy guy walking down the street with a baseball bat, swinging it, playing catch by himself. Right. And at that point in life... You know, I learned that you should never judge a book by its cover. And also, you should never uh, judge somebody because of the position position that they're in. Because you, you never know what caused them to get to that to that position. But drugs was the, the corporate for this. Mm-hmm. You know, drugs drove him to be the way he, he was or whatever. Because... The, the guy talked to my, my dad and, you know, just told him everything that, that happened or whatever. Mm-hmm. Another thing, like, you know, like I, I tell my, my oldest daughter, I, I would rather be wealthy than famous because when you're famous, you have to put on a show a lot of times. You know, you have to wear certain clothes. You got to be clean all the time. You got to be in this fly car. Or whatever. But if you're wealthy, n- no one has to know that you're wealthy. Right. You, you can drive any kind of car you want. <laughs> of course, someone's going to judge that book by its cover, right? But like when I see uh, Bill Gates, the, the, the you know the type of clothes he wear. If you didn't know he was Bill Gates and you saw him, mm-hmm. you'd be like, "Wow, he dressed so." Just whatever. Right. But his bank account is millions and millions. Right. Right. You know, so you should never judge a book by its cover. Always give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Um, So, like, if George would have been a little bit more polite to the piano delivery slash musician, um, he might have 
went along with George's story more so as far as like, yeah, you know, this is my um, um, piano delivery guy. I bought the piano from his shop or whatnot. He might have been a little bit more in, in tune, no pun intended, to go along with George's story. Yeah. So just be careful when you, you know, you meet somebody, you, you know, the way you treat people. A lot, some things that come to mind to me is how we treat people when we go to, uh, like, waiters. You know, you, you that is their job to wait on you, but their job is not to pamper you while you're, unless you're paying high dollar at a restaurant, of course, you know. There's restaurants I've gone to, and, and you're sitting there, and they come to you with a hot, hot towel to, to clean your hands, you know. This is not a Denny's or whatnot, but still, don't, don't treat people like they're, nothing you know people have feelings well yeah i mean you say don't judge a book by its cover Mm -hmm. and that's very true but the thing is is that everybody is deserving of respect um to some to some degree i mean just uh respect as a as another human being in the world um and that's a big that's a big deal um now you mentioned something just a moment ago about the Bill Gates and how he dresses. Mm -hmm. And um, it reminds me of just, I remember growing up and thinking that, or being told, I don't know if it's from my mom, probably, probably so, but just like you can't judge, you can't tell whether a person is rich or not just based on how they're dressed um, and what kind of car they drive, you know, just because they're fly or just because they're fresh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, does not mean that they have, um, a whole lot of money. Right. And a lot of times rich people will walk right on by you and you'll never even know. Um, but a lot of times too, I think it's, it's probably based on some insecurities that people have. Mm-hmm. If you maybe just kind of grew up not having a lot and if you get some kind of money it's like you just want to show it yeah as soon as you get any kind of money you want to show it mm-hmm. uh, not only show it but if, if if you don't have the money you dream of a lot of things like oh i wish i had the money to get this i wish i had the money to get that and once you get the money you get it mm-hmm. not necessarily showing it off but i still have a lot of things i dream about and once you know i get the right amount of money more to buy it not to show it off to show off but because it's something i dreamt of having mm-hmm. you know so i think that's another thing when when people come across money you know they just buy all the things that they always wanted because most of the time they're just worried about their needs you know it's kind of hard to um take their needs and wants especially high dollar wants and another thing you, you said, you can't judge a person by, you know, how they're dressed or, you know, what type of car they're driving. One thing you can tell about a person from the way they dress or the type of car they're driving is that they can afford that. They definitely, I don't know what you mean by they that. They definitely can afford the clothes they have on because they have them. How, they, that's they, not necessarily true. Why not? How do they buy, How do they acquire it? Did they spend cash money on it? Did they use credit? But regardless of the fact, they still have to pay for it. Uh, sometimes they don't. Oh, well, uh, you ever I, heard of bankruptcy? 
people purchasing things but not paying for them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's true. But I'm, yeah, that's the, the, what you say. What you say is true. It's not. It's not a sign that you I'm can afford s- the things that you are, that are currently in your possession. Okay. That's not a sign for, to well, me. To me, to you, okay, exactly. To you, it's not. To me, it's if it's in their possession, they can afford it. Mm. Not saying you are rich. All I'm saying is you were able to inquire this from the monies you earn. But the people don't buy things with the money they earn. People buy things with credit all the time. Yeah, okay. So, yes, they, <laughs> they pay for it all the time. But to have credit, you have to have had previous credit and you had to buy things. So, mm. if you look at it differently, I feel that if you have it, you have to be able to afford what you have. Not saying that you're rich, because you can have the flyest clothes, the flyest car, and you have roommates. Or you're living at home with your parents still. Mm-hmm. You know, are you living in a studio apartment? But to me, whatever I see you wearing or whatever I see you driving, I feel that you're able to afford that. And that's still not saying that you are wealthy or rich. That's that's my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And yes, people use credit, a lot of credit. Which is the devil. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Another story. But that's the way I feel about it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are rich because you have the fly car to fly, fly clothes. To me, I just think you're able to afford what you have obtained. And it's still... You can be... I mean, if you're buying things that make you look rich... Mm-hmm. Um, it it'll be it, how will you ever become rich? <laughs> if you just well, that's the that's the point. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's really the bottom line because, in yes, you may be able to afford the things that you have, but you're presenting an image or trying to present an image that you have more than that. When, like you said, you could be living with your moms. Right. With your parents, with, uh, you know, have a bunch of roommates. Um, and, but you're just being showy. Right. And, you know, uh, the, uh, a good feeling I have is knowing with what I do have. If people look at me like, oh, he's driving this type of car or whatever. But that's my drive to work car. <laughs> it's not my Sunday or weekend driver car. My weekend <laughs> Or Sunday cruising car is a very nice car, <laughs> whereas my just going to work car is just it's it's a car that I very much like because I'm into that type of car, but other people would look at it like oh look what he's driving right, and then the day that I decide to drive my Sunday driver car to work, my coworkers are like oh you're a big baller I'm like I'm not a big baller it's just. I don't show, you don't have to know what I have to for me to know that I'm rich or I have money. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know that, you know. Um, but that's one reason, I, you know, I said before, I'd rather just be wealthy instead of famous. Because you, when you're when you're famous, you got to kind of, when you're famous, people give you things a lot of times too. But That's true. You don't, 
you know, you don't have to show. I don't your, know what that's like yet. Yeah. But maybe when I'm famous, famous I will know. You're <laughs> yeah. You don't have to. When you're famous, you have to show that you're famous by buying the most expensive this and that. When you're wealthy, you don't have to show your wealth. Yeah, and that's the thing too. We, we with famous people and why people will they focus on those outward things. They focus on the clothes, the cars, the shoes, the whatever, all the gear. Mm -hmm. And they focus on these things because of what famous people do. Famous people are rich mm -hmm. and often, like you said, get things for free. Mm -hmm. So if I want to look like so-and-so entertainer, then I need to look like this. But this or that entertainer is... Um, they are, they are actually rich. Mm -hmm. You know, their paper, their, their money is long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> their kids are fine. Right. Their legacy is fine. You need to worry about yours. Exactly. And you are helping their legacy grow by buying their products that they <laughs> are sponsored by. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with having, you know, something that a particular artist or basketball player has that you like, you know, but um, your return on investment for that product is actually a return very on investment. Yeah, it's very, very low. Very low for you. And unless <laughs> unless, unless you buy something, um, you know, Jordans, for example. If you buy a pair of Jordans and never wear them and you just keep them in a box, you might have a return on investment on those particular shoes in a year or so. But if it's something you plan on wearing, your return on investment is very low. Right. Um, but you're, you are paying the salary of those particular um, people that wear the clothes, the cologne, the makeup, or whatever that they have. Mm -hmm. You are definitely helping their portfolio <laughs> right. and their um, cash flow yeah. increase. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, you buying things, because I, I buy certain things that I see a particular person wear. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I like that. But it's because I like it. It's not because that person is wearing it. That's another thing. See, if you see someone famous wearing something, are you buying it because you saw them wearing it or because you actually like it? Because there's things I see people wearing, I'm like, oh, that's ugly. Or, <laughs> you know, or I see something that they're wearing, I'm like, oh, I, I like those. You know, I would, I would try and get something that, and close to that or that look. You know, not exactly. I don't want to be a, a uh, what do you call it, a cookie cutter of, of someone famous. You know, I want to have my own style or, or whatever. But that's, that's, you know, that is the point. I mean, even if you have, like, celebrities, celebrities, um I don't even know what you call them because you have social media celebrities, influencers, all that. I guess they're celebrities in their own right too. Um, but you have even those people who are being watched by a lot of people. And like I said, they're celebrities in their own right. And even them, even they have sponsored uh, videos, even they receive free things. And with that, it's almost even more dangerous because you're like, well, they're just social media famous. Mm -hmm. They're not like real life, you know, real famous. Um, they're, they're just like me. They're like regular, regular Joe, 
Like if regular Joe can have it, so can I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that might even be that might even be um, like worse and more dangerous because we know celebrities are are rich, but these people are. I mean, I'm not mad at the influencers at all. I'm just saying, don't get it twisted. They are raking in the dough, and they're getting free free things and calling it a, a haul. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, let me go have my own little haul. Right. <laughs> and I think sometimes when, like you said, the little influencers and how they do their little hauls, sometimes I think it can backfire on your it can backfire it can do worse harm to you than, than better because if they're showing you their haul mm-hmm. um, if they pay for it or received it for free or not and you don't have the resources to, to buy <laughs> mm-hmm. what they're showing you it can put you in a little depression somewhat um, you know or it can also influence you to get out, get up, and go do something as far as um, earning more money to obtain those things. So it could be, it can work two both ways, you know. But um, I sympathize for the the people that's, you know, watch these influencers, the famous people, and they aren't able to obtain or purchase the things that they want want that the famous people or the influencers are are um, showcasing mm-hmm. you know um but there's a better day for you all just you know keep trying and, and you're gonna move up to the top like the jeffersons um <laughs> don't give up don't give up on us we're going to take another break and after yes. this break we're going to um wrap it up hey before we take the break shannon i do want to again um we haven't talked about our social media. Speaking of social media mm-hmm. and influencers, mm-hmm. um, we haven't talked about our social media. We are on Instagram um, at Black Sitcom History. Um, catch us there. Uh, leave us some comments um, in our DMs. I couldn't think of that the last time. Like, what are those things called? DMs. DMs. Like, <laughs> slide in, slide into our yeah. DMs real quick and um, leave, leave us a comment and let you let us know what you're thinking about the shows. Um, in this particular episode is the first time we're setting up with some different um, recording equipment. We are hopefully upgrading our sound and um, want to hear what you think and um, and some constructive uh, feedback. You know, some good stuff, some stuff we can improve on, and just and 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 some any encouragement will will help us along. So we appreciate you guys out there for. Um, hanging out with us so just wanted to point that out again we're on instagram instagram.com um and we're at black sitcom history dot com black sitcom history is our page for instagram oh, oh, oh black, as far as blacks as, as far as black sitcom history.com we are working on a website oh okay so, it's so in progress. The, the website is in progress mm-hmm. um as we kind of get our podcasting workflow together and you know we'll we'll be working on getting a website put together as well a little hub for our show so you can easily connect easily connect with us and find us wherever um wherever we are from there 
but it's on the way. We'll definitely let you know when it's, when it's up and running, but yeah, but for now, I think Instagram right now is the best way to find us. Um, and again, our page is at black sitcom history. All right. So let's go ahead and get into this break. Um, and we'll wrap things up for you all. Music from this episode is by yours truly, Summer Sky. The single is called About Love and it's available on all digital music and streaming platforms. Check the episode description for more details. Welcome back, everyone. Um, I have something to say. Summer was mentioning our Instagram page. Um, yeah, I would like to know who is your favorite character on the Jeffersons and out of the five episodes thus far, which one is your favorite and are you learning anything out of the episode that you can maybe not necessarily apply to your daily life, but just a, a life lesson out of the episodes. Um, I'm learning some things through, um, each episode, um, like the episode we're talking about now, is and something I practice quite a bit anyway. You know, just don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, it, you know, there's more things in this episode to highlight besides not judge a book by its cover. Um, and so we're going to get into um, how the episode wrapped up pretty much. Um, so, yes... George was disappointed that Mr. Wittendale um, did not show up. So was it a waste of money for him to buy <laughs> buy the piano? And we, I don't want to teleport to the future, but we don't see this piano. We don't see that piano anymore. <laughs> that piano is gone. <laughs> so you know, I guess George decides that that wasn't the greatest idea. And that's one thing I would like for George to, to start to learn throughout the episodes. If I was writing the, the, the um, series myself is that money is not the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it helps. It definitely helps, but it's not the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. And turn the piano. Number one, um, the, the, the piano was oversized and the delivery guy even asked who who buys a piano without measuring the space <laughs> that it's going to be in. But George thought it was just bigger, better. That's his thought. Most expensive. Most expensive. Yeah. I'm showing people that I can afford this. Mm-hmm. So money doesn't cure all. And George found out, not really the hard way, but he found out. And also, should you, or no, when you are supporting something, or you're going to protest something, 
be behind something, make sure you do your research on that particular issue at hand before just jumping in. Because as you can see, George, once he just learned that Mr. Wendell will, show up, will be attending the protest, he decided to be 100% behind the protest. <laughs> not knowing that Mr. Wittendale was the owner of the apartment complex. Right. So if you're supporting something behind something, do your research so you know exactly what you're supporting or protesting. You have any words on that? Yeah, definitely. And I agree with that. And I think a lot of people, um, I'm just talking about people, but, um, there's a lot of people who get behind things just a little bit too quickly or cancel people a little too quickly with little information. So yeah, I definitely think, definitely think it's important that you do your research. Um, but it kind of goes, this also goes back to what you were saying earlier about, you don't think that you would be a good, good, uh, protest leader. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I probably wouldn't either because you have to have a certain kind of, Le you know, a certain kind of passion for things that I probably wouldn't bring. I'd be a little bit too, I'd be the person researching and I'd take forever to research before I start acting on it. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, like super annoying as a protest leader. <laughs> and, and this brings up something that I thought about and forgot to mention. It's, um, you, hmm. you can be a, you can protest, right? And like you said, I will. I would want to know. Okay, this is what I'm trying to say. If I'm protesting behind something, it would have to be something that actually really affected me and touched me in a way. Like for instance, we have the Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. I don't have any brothers. I have nephews. So if one of my nephews was killed by a police officer, then I think I would be more willing to protest because it actually touched home. You would definitely be passionate. Passionate. You'd have some yes. passion behind it. And I, I right. agree with that, too. I mean, I... I... D I don't know. if I don't know if maybe that's... That's what it would take mm -hmm. for me to get out and just pull the trigger and be like, okay, yeah, I'm out here protesting mm -hmm. if it touched my family. But the thing about about this and the people who are out here on the streets protesting, uh, many in many cases, it doesn't necessarily touch them directly. Mm -hmm. The issue at hand doesn't touch them directly, but they have, this is how I see it when another person, this is, this is regarding um, murders happening at the hands of police in particular, right? In that case, for anybody, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're a black man, black woman, white man, white woman, whatever. If the, the sheer fact that someone can look at you could potentially look at you and think that your life doesn't mean anything is very scary. And they have the power to take your life, and that's very scary. And hopefully, I, th I think that's 
I think that's what people can rally behind, even if they're not directly affected. But at the same time, I'm the type of person, though, I want to know what organization is organizing this protest. What are they all about? What are the ins and outs? And by the time I figured that out, they didn't have the protest in, yeah. you know, they didn't have the protest and the protest is over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I support my protesters, but I won't be out in the streets protesting. And like I said, it might take something that hits home for me to actually rally the troops up and protest in the streets. Uh, it's like, for instance, you know, um, breast cancer. You know how breast cancer affects a lot of families. And I see people, mm-hmm. family members die from breast cancer. Now, all of a sudden, they're pro, or it's not pro breast cancer. What would it be called? They're, they're more um, vocal, vocal about, about um, breast cancer. Breast. Like they want to wear pink wristbands. Yeah. They want to have a tattoo of a pink um, ribbon on them. Um, they want you to donate for the research of mm-hmm. breast cancer. So I'm saying this to say this. It might take something to actually hit home for me to be in the streets to protest. But I do support people that protest because mm-hmm. um, if, 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 if it was left up to me, we probably wouldn't be protesting. So we need those people out there protesting. So, um, and so we're going to start a segment at the end of each episode. And Summer's going to ask me, you know, what did I get out of this episode? What did I... What was the number one thing that I got out of this episode? And in return, I asked her the same question. Um, that's how we're going to end each um, podcast for, for here on out. So, Summer, what's the number one thing that you learned mm-hmm. out of this episode? Or it doesn't have to be anything you learned. What was just the number one thing that you got out of this episode? Well... It's not necessarily this episode, Shannon. So far, I'll say in the five episodes that we've covered, um, like I've said before, I grew up on watching sitcoms. And I I feel like sitcoms are just a perfect way to express, especially a black sitcom. Um, But it's it's a great way to express very tough, issues or very kind of touchy subjects um, and then laugh about it, you know? So that's kind of what I got out of not just this episode, but what we've watched so far um, is that, you know, some of this stuff, it's very serious, racism, classism, um, you know, dealing with, um, injustices, how people perceive you, um, when you're black, um, how do, how, how do you perceive the world when you have, uh, money? These are, you know, kind of important, serious discussions, but just to laugh about it, it is, it, I don't know. It just makes it just easier to consume, you know? So I, I think that's the brilliance of, of this show, um, touching on so many important things, but of course, 
George Jefferson is absolutely ridiculous. He is not level-headed at all. <laughs> and um, and he's, he's a ridiculous character, but it's, it's just, it's, it's funny, mm. you know, and we can get through all of this. Um, there's one point in this episode where there was some disagreement or, or some kind of disagreement between Tom and Helen. He always thinks that well, she, he took her, his she pen. took his, she took his writing pen. It was, it's not a writing pen. It was it's, a, <laughs> a, not a ballpoint, but a fountain, pen yeah, a fountain like ink pen. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. That he worked with. So that's what he wrote his, when he worked his journalism or editing or editing, something. Yeah. Anyway, she, he, they got into a little, little, uh, um, spat on the show just a little argument and um <laughs> tom called you're nothing but a and he's like george's like uh oh here yeah. here it comes a typical woman <laughs> is what tom says but you know he's he's always thinking that he um he's gonna throw out throw out the n-word and use it against helen yeah even though he's the only one in the room thinking even thinking about that yeah. but you know, it's just funny. It's funny, but it's like, okay, come on now. He's yeah. he's ridiculous. But just just touching on all these very uh, sensitive issues in a funny manner is it's like okay, I can I can I can deal with this. I can get I can get through, <laughs> get through it. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the one thing I got out of this episode. I'm going to just focus on this episode because this is the one at hand on hand is if you decide to support something, first of all, know why, why you are supporting it. Know um, the situation that may occur during the supporting or protesting don't just follow everyone else because you see them out there. Um, I, and it, it's be the person that if, if, a, if a newscaster asks you, why are you out here supporting or protesting? Have the right answer or have a reason, have, have a, a reason. reason, you know, just don't because, I'm black and black lives matter. Okay. Yeah. But tell me exactly what that means to you. You know? So that was the, the one thing that I got out of this. I got many things out of it, but that, that was the number one thing to me. You know, if you're going to support something, know what it's all about, basically, you know, know the, 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 the cause and effect of it all. Um, or at least even if you don't know the effect, know the, um, Potential effects, Effect, yeah. Right. You know what? What's what's at risk? Yeah, you're supporting and protesting, but what what do you want out of it? You mm -hmm. know, and um, how did you get here? And you know, some people are going to act a fool sometimes right. and cause problems when you're trying to be peaceful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and don't fall into the trap of, of, of becoming that person. Don't think of it as an opportunity. Although you your intent was to be out there to protest. And you see opportunities where um, you see a pair of free shoes that you can take out the out of the Foot Locker store or whatever because everyone else is doing it. 
remember that's not what you're there for. You're there to protest for the matter at hand. And the matter at hand is that we're going to wrap this show up <laughs> and we're going to um, wait. Well, yeah, we're going to wait to hear from you all on our Instagram page. Once again, it's on Instagram, Black Sitcom History. Mm-hmm. And uh, check it out. You know, you're, you are on Instagram anyway. I'm sure you scrolled through it once or twice today. So just take a second and look us up. And, you know, say, say a famous name, a famous name, famous quotes from the Jeffersons or something. <laughs> uh, or, you know, re- recite the, the, the opening um, song. You know, what does she mean when she say, um, what is it, beans burning on the stove? I go. Beans don't burn on the grill. Yeah, beans don't burn on the stove. Beans <laughs> don't burn on the grill. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We're going to have about that. But look, you guys, um, stay tuned and, and listen up for next week's episode, episode six. And um, we're going to talk about. Season one, episode six of the Jeffersons. That is our sitcom at this time. I cannot wait to get to the good time for because it's good. Is that one next? I want it to be next because we we get to go from one realm to the next. Um, Mm -hmm. from being rich, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. To seeing how the lower class people react in in situations. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to compare the two. It doesn't necessarily have to be the next um, um, sitcom that we we um, review or whatnot, but I just can't wait to compare the, the two, the Jeffersons and, and Good Times yeah. or whatnot. So, oh, and, and with that said, why don't you guys tell us what you think the next um, sitcom we could go through could be? Um Black sitcom, of course. So we we are on the Jeffersons now. We have good times. What's happening? Um, we gonna throw different strokes in there. <laughs> uh, what's another one, babe? Um, you said good times. Time. You said what's happening? Uh, Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son. And of course, we're going to get to the, to the Cosby Show later on. We're trying to go in and um, errors. So the seventies, eighties, up to the nineties. So, you guys stay tuned, and if Summer doesn't have anything else to say. Um, thanks for hanging out with us again, mm-hmm. and we'll see you all in episode six. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye. Peace. <laughs>